Welcome to SCOTUS Cast, Redistricting and One Person, One Vote Edition. Thank you for tuning in. On April 20th, 2016, the Supreme Court decided Harris v. Arizona Independent Redistricting Commission. In 2012, the Arizona Independent Redistricting Commission redrew the map for the state legislative districts based on the results of the 2010 census. Wesley Harris and other individual voters sued the commission and alleged that the newly redrawn districts were underpopulated in Democratic-leaning districts and overpopulated in Republican-leaning ones, and that the commission had therefore violated the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. The commission countered that the population deviations were the result of attempts to comply with the Voting Rights Act. A three-judge district court ruled in favor of the commission. On appeal, the Supreme Court affirmed the judgment of the district court by a vote of 8-0. to zero. Justice Breyer delivered the opinion for a unanimous court, which held that the federal district court did not err in upholding Arizona's redistricting plan. The challengers failed to demonstrate, the court explained, that illegitimate considerations more likely than not were the predominant motivation for the plan's population deviations. To discuss the case, we have Thor Hearn, who is partner at Errant Fox LLP. As always, the Federalist Society takes no position on particular legal or public policy issues. All expressions of opinion are those of the speaker. And now, Mr. Hearn. Harris is, of course, a reapportionment case, a state reapportionment of the Arizona State Legislature. The case went to the Supreme Court and has several important lessons. First, here's what happened in Arizona. Arizona adopted a independent, so-called independent commission to reapportion their state legislature. The commission was politically unaccountable to anyone. Arizona's commission was challenged in a decision last term uh, where it was argued that the commission was unconstitutional in terms of apportioning congressional seats. And the argument that it was was made is that it's unconstitutional because the U.S. Constitution requires congressional seats to be apportioned by the state legislature. And the argument made by Paul Clement in that case was that you can't delegate this task to a politically unaccountable body that is not responsible to or can't be overridden by the legislature. Paul lost that case. It was five to four. His argument was the better argument. But that context is very important when you consider Harris. So Harris then arose in the context of the state legislature being reapportioned by the same politically unaccountable commission. So the liberals on the court who had earlier affirmed the ability of these unaccountable commissions to apportion a state's congressional district, particularly Justice Ginsburg, were very invested in the idea of this nonpartisan redistricting. Now, in Arizona, it was anything but nonpartisan because what actually happened and what the court found and Chief Justice Roberts and his dissent in the earlier case noted was that you had a highly partisan commission that, if you will, hijacked the apportionment process and made it very political in order to gain an advantage for Democrats. And they did that not just in the congressional redistricting, but they did that as well on the state legislative redistricting. So our case then comes up, Harris comes up and brings this challenge. And it says specifically, which is what the trial, the court below, uh, you don't go to one judge when you have a reapportionment case. You have a three-judge court 
that is essentially the trial court that hears the case. Uh, you have one judge from the Ninth Circuit, then you have two district court judges that are on this three-judge panel. The three judges on this panel in Harris didn't agree at all on whether or not it was appropriate for the commission to malapportion, and by malapportion, I mean unequally allocate state legislative districts based on a desire to achieve a partisan benefit for Democrats. So the goal is, since 1963, that state legislative districts, just like congressional districts, be equally apportioned. We do this every 10 years so that we have the concept of one person, one vote. And that concept is expressed by having equal districts. So that if you live in a district where the number of voters in your district is less, in other words, you say have a district where instead of having 30,000 voters in the district, you have 25,000 voters in the district. And then you have another district which has 35,000 voters in it. Well, if you live in the district with 35,000 voters, your vote doesn't count equally to a vote cast by somebody who lives in the district with only 25,000 votes. It's a way of magnifying or enhancing the weight of voters in particular districts relative to those in what we call overpopulated districts. And so that's what Arizona's commission did. They put Democrats in districts where there were fewer Democrat voters in each district, and they overpopulated the Republican districts. There was no question about this having been done. That's Everybody agreed that that was what happened. The question isn't whether that happened, but whether you can do that constitutionally under the court's one-person, one-vote standard. And so that's what Harris is about. So the uh, court in the Supreme Court in Harris had to decide whether it was a legitimate objective for the state commission to unequally allocate Arizona's state legislative districts. And if so, if that had to be strictly one person, one vote, or if they had, if you will, wiggle room to, um, to, to adjust these districts for the purpose of a political gain. Now, this puts the court in a bit of a conflict. The conservative members of the court don't generally like the idea of federal courts reapportioning or second-guessing state reapportionment. In other words, the conservative members of the court would tend to say, let's leave that to the state political process. Scalia particularly, you go back historically to Frankfurter and others, that have said the Supreme Court should stay out of that political thicket and leave that up to the state political process to resolve that issue. But uh, what you have is the liberals in the court very much want to guard and affirm the concept of one person, one vote. So they tend to be very comfortable with federal courts second-guessing the reapportionment and wanting to have strict equality in how districts are apportioned so that everybody's vote is equally weighted. That is, and they feel very comfortable with a federal court intervening whenever that's not found to be so. But you have that other tension in this case from the earlier case with Justice Ginsburg, where they also like the idea, the liberals, that is, like the idea of a, quote, nonpartisan uh, 
way of apportioning districts to take it out of the political process. So they were the liberals were in the position of having to defend Arizona's unequally apportioned districts because they were done by a, quote, independent commission that the liberals liked, that concept at least. And the conservatives on the court did not necessarily want to have a precedent for the court more aggressively patrolling state reapportionment, particularly of a state reapportioning its own state legislature. So you ultimately have a decision in Harris that's unanimous. Both the liberals and conservatives agreed that this commission could deviate from equally proportioned districts. Now, the question that entered Harris was to what extent does the one-person, one-vote rule control state legislative reapportionment? Again, I'm making a distinction between the reapportionment of a state for congressional seats and the reapportionment of a state for the state's own legislature. More deference is due a state when they are reapportioning their own state legislature traditionally than when they are reapportioning congressional districts, which are subject to the U.S. Constitution and particularly congressional oversight. So what you had here is a alignment of both the conservatives and liberals for very different reasons, uh, affirming this commission reapportioning Arizona's legislature in a way that uh, you would normally have seen or expected to potentially see the court strike it down. The only reason that the legislature was reapportioned in the way it was with the deviation, the only explanation that was given was that it was A, to benefit the Democrats, and B, that they had to do it that way because of the Voting Rights Act. Even though the Voting Rights Act was subsequently uh, struck down in the Shelby decision. So what you had is two pretexts for deviating from the one person, one vote rule. And the question that was the Supreme Court has asked is, is this okay? Can the state of Arizona through this independent commission deviate from one person, one vote uh, for the reason of giving a political advantage to the Democrats and for the reason of complying with a law that's no longer constitutional? We argued the state of Arizona, as well as Arizona voters challenging this apportionment scheme, said that you can't, that those are not legitimate explanations to deviate from one person, one vote. The court, however, held that you could, and in doing so, the court adopted what is called a 10% rule. So they said that you can deviate from equally proportioned districts, one person, one vote, up to 10% meaning that if you have the biggest district versus the most underpopulated district, that the difference can't be greater than 10%, and you can do that for any reason you want. Uh, then you can go right ahead with that. But if you go over 10%, then it's presumptively unconstitutional, and the state has to come forward with compelling reasons for that deviation. That's the rule that we take away from Harris at the end of the day when the court has spoken. And now the question becomes, what are the implications looking forward? What's it going to mean uh, in future redistricting cases? Well, one thing it means is that states have this 10% state safe harbor. So if you're a state redrawing your state legislative districts, 
you can, with relative confidence, draw unequal districts for almost any reason, so long as they don't exceed 10%. If they exceed 10%, you probably would have those challenged unless you had a very compelling reason to do so. But what this says is because redistricting is quintessentially a political process, that those in control of the process can, for political agenda or political advantage, skew it from one person, one vote up to this 10% rule. That's the takeaway that you're left with. Now, who does that help? Who does that hurt? Because most the majority of the states are controlled by Republican-controlled legislatures, at least right now, that if that still is the case in the next redistricting cycle, it helps the party in power because that gives them an advantage to continue to manipulate the process in a way to gain a little bit of an advantage. And it could be significant in some states because you, by drawing the lines, you can control who wins certain districts, uh, and that could be the difference between the Republicans or the Democrats, depending on the state, retaining control of the legislature. So that's the uh, lesson of Harris. That's the lesson that we take as we look forward to the next redistricting cycle and the effect that it will have in the next time that the states redraw their state legislative districts. Thank you for listening to this episode of SCOTUScast. For more episodes of SCOTUScast, as well as audio and video of past Federalist Society events, please visit our website at www.federalistsociety.org slash multimedia.